This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, everybody, it's Adam Ray for the About Last Night podcast. Happy Monday! Hope you had a great Freaking weekend, man. Couldn't decide if I wanted to say fucking or freaking. Went with the freaking. <laughs> Sounds like a street fighter. Sounds like what you how do you how you counter a Hadouken with a Faruking Farikin. <laughs> uh man, I haven't slept uh much this weekend. Um what a weekend it was. What a Super Bowl. What a what a Sunday fun day, huh? And now here we are at the start of another week. And uh, my final week in LA before I Hit the road and uh, go on tour with Adam Devine for three weeks. February 11th to March 4th, baby. We're going all over the country. Uh, if you haven't gotten your tickets at LiveNation.com, do it. We're going to Detroit, uh, Wisconsin, Iowa, Kansas, Aspen, San Fran, Eugene, Oregon, ending in Los Angeles. So uh, get your tickets at LiveNation.com uh, and come see us. Uh, today's episode is a very special episode. Uh, it's my stepdad. My stepdad. George Cox. Um, quite the uh, quite the fella. Not only did he, uh, you know, uh, come in my life in a time when, uh, when I was leaving for college and uh, a time when my mom was by herself and that was making it very tough for me to leave to uh, come down to L.A. and go to school. And uh, my mom met George um, when he actually converted to Judaism and they met at our temple and uh, and the rest is history, you know. These uh, he's one of the greatest dudes you'll ever meet. Uh, aside from being a West Point grad um, and, uh, and and a uh, high up uh, broker at Morgan Stanley in Seattle, uh, he's a master of puns and uh, and just like the sweetest dude ever. A, a huge fan of, uh, of vintage cars and sports, which was a big thing for me. When uh, when he when I found out he was a, a big sports guy because we watch a lot of basketball and football together and, and that's key for for male bonding, <clears throat> you know. Had he like been way into figure skating or uh, ping pong, I would have adjusted. You know, I love ping pong, I love figure skating, not as much as football and basketball. But uh, anyway, great dude makes my mom super happy, makes me happy, and uh, and on top of all that, he has uh, started an amazing foundation uh, called the Alexander Hamilton Scholars. Uh, Association, which is an organization that gives scholarships to unbelievable high school, underprivileged high school kids across the country. There are just thousands of uh, amazing teenagers that uh, are are doing well in very uh, unfortunate situations, and uh, it's inspiring as as much as it is uh, disheartening. But uh, George started this uh, organization, and I think they're now in their. I want to say ninth or tenth year, uh, but it's an unbelievable thing. And uh, if you want to donate to it, 
which I highly recommend you do um, if you're looking to you know make a difference somewhere. Uh, it's HamiltonScholars.org has all the information, stories, videos, and uh, and give a little bit of money and and uh, you know if you uh, help some kids. Uh, you know who are who are killing it. Uh, help them kill a little bit more as they uh, continue to help change our world. Um, anyway, this episode uh, so fun, so interesting, and uh, of course personal. You know, it's it's always fun when when Brad and I can have a uh, uh, someone close to us on the podcast, uh, a relative that uh, you know gets to also share a little bit more insight into who we are as people. Huh? All right. Uh, George doesn't have a Twitter, which, uh, you know, I don't know if we can get him on there, but uh, he does have a Facebook. So hit him up on Facebook.com slash George Cox. Let him know how much you enjoyed the episode. Post on his wall. Hit him up. Tell him you love him. Uh, and if you got any uh, good puns for him. But uh, he might be the quickest pun in the West. It's unbelievable. One time he came uh, to uh, my uh, apartment, my senior year of college, right after he'd seen me in a, uh, a play. And there was like some rusty nail on our table. And he picked it up and goes, well, Adam, you really nailed the part. I was like... Okay, <laughs> good thing you and my mom are already married, because that was bad. Uh, but usually he swings for the fence and hits, I'd say about 97% of the time. Uh, anyway, follow me on Twitter at Adam Ray Comedy. Follow Brad at Funny Brad at ALN Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Adam Ray Comedy on Instagram. Brad Williams Comic on Instagram. AdamRayTV.com for all my tour dates. I'll be in L.A. Uh, all this week. And then uh, we go uh, to Detroit on Saturday to do the Fillmore Theater. Uh, first night of the Adam Devine Tour. But I'm at the Laugh Factory this week. Comedy Store Improv. Um, Get your uh, get your tickets at AdamRayTV.com. Uh, a lot of live pod dates coming up, too. Brad and I are going to be in Utah on March 8th. We're going to be at the Moon Tower Comedy Festival April 20th through the 22nd in Austin, Texas. Uh, and then some new dates added, the Crapshoot uh, Comedy Festival in Vegas. First time uh, festival in Vegas uh, in May. I don't know the exact dates, but that's all on my... Uh, on my website, AdamRayTV.com. And, of course, after the uh, Adam Divine Tour, I'll be at Gotham in New York in March. Uh, Addison Improv coming to Dallas with Amir K. And then St. Louis uh, Funny Bone end of March. All those tickets, AdamRayTV.com. Brad Williams, uh, he is uh, taking, I think, a week off, or two weeks off. But February 16th through the 18th, he'll be in Syracuse at the Funny Bone, at the Syracuse Funny Bone, February 16th through the 18th. And then uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina, Brad will be at Goodnight's Comedy Club February 23rd through the 20th. 25th. Get your tickets at bradwilliamscomedy.com. Of course, the merch, we are in transition. We'll have the new store up very shortly. Brad is working very diligently on that. So all your ALN merch uh, needs will be fulfilled. But in the meantime, if you need them, email aboutlastnightpod at gmail.com and Brad will send you shirts, hats, whatever you need. Uh, I think that's it, man. It's a lot of great apps on the horizon. Make sure you subscribe. Tell your friends. TJ Miller coming up. Judd Apatow coming up. Uh, uh, Joey Diaz coming up. Uh, a lot of a lot of heavy hitters, and also I will be uh, uh, live streaming and podcasting from the road with Adam Devine. So you want to make sure you subscribe to hear those daily updates. Also, if you haven't yet subscribed to my other podcast, Good Call with Josh Wolf, former guest of the ALN Podcast, it's a sports comedy podcast without all the numbers and analytics. Uh, we just had Jonathan Coachman on the ESPN Sports Anchor. Michelle Beadle from Sports Nation is our guest uh, next week, and we'll be featured on iTunes for that. So make sure you're subscribed to the Good Call podcast on iTunes and uh, and tell your friends. All right. I think that's it. So now that we got the tour dates out of the way, that's the merch info. Those are the Twitter handles. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy a brand new episode of the About Last Night podcast with my stepdad, the man, George Cox. Well, the weekend's over, so it's time to chat about it. Got a midget and a juice, so why don't you sit down and listen to 
That sounds like a basic instruction. Uh, you know, be a couple inches away from the microphone. You have no idea how many professional comedians, actors, <laughs> radio show hosts we have it here that are. You know, they start talking back here. They get they they, yeah. they, they, they get pretty comfortable. <laughs> and then we have to tell them, eh, why don't you hug that mic a little bit? And yeah. it's it's just weird when you have to tell like. So if I get up here, it's not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got it, got it. Okay, that's cool. Do you like the sound of your own voice? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll find out. I guess yeah. I've uh, I've always thought you've had a good speaking voice, which I get. I feel like if you're doing any sort of public speaking, after a while, you must know that, and people are receptive that you do have a voice that's easy on the ears. You know, when I was uh, when I started uh, my career in financial services, which I you know uh, had a long career in that that field, uh, one of the things I learned, I, I started cold calling. You know, I was calling little old ladies on in Magnolia. Oh, really? Know. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, and saying I, what? What I found was that the way you handled it was you met the cadence of their voice. So if they spoke fast, you'd speak a little faster. And if they said, well, how are you? You'd kind of slow down. And that kind of that kind of worked. Wow. Sure. And that's a tip that can also relate to the world of stand-up comedy. You know, if, if, if Adam, if we go on stage and the audience is drunk, sort of drunk and wild and yeah. hectic, we have to you, – you, you, you can't go on and act like a high school principal and be like, now, now – Calm down. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to well, have a good time tonight. I don't know why well, I did a, a minor Obama impression right yeah. there, but uh, you have to read the room. Yeah, trust me. Financial service is nothing but stand-up comedy, <laughs> unless it's stand-up tragedy. I mean, one or the other. Yeah, uh, or both. And you're at uh, you're at a uh, Morgan Stanley, correct? Or you were? Oh, uh, can't say it. Yeah, we'll cut, cut it out. Cut that. Uh, yeah, yeah okay. cut that part yeah. out. Yeah. So you've been you've been in financial services for how long? It's in about thirty years. Yeah, and long that, enough to know better. <laughs> Long enough to go like, oh, man, I should have been an ice cream man. <laughs> but, oh, no, no, no. But I, I tell you, you know how to make a small fortune in the market? How's that? Well, give me a large fortune, and I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's that's called a money joke, people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, he's, do you, a, he's a king of uh, puns and wordplay jokes. Oh, man. Oh, you, Like the speed in which he comes up with puns and jokes that play on words. If I could come up with an hour at that rate or yeah. just like good jokes in general like i would do a new hour every three months the uh i you'll you'll like this then i once my dad used to collect uh time magazine and uh, he would he have these big stacks of them yeah and i walked into his office one day and he was getting them all together to throw to throw out and there's three like huge just massive stacks of time magazine and i and they're all stacked really really close together and i go dad what are those and he goes those are the pressing issues of our times oh god that's pretty good <laughs> well i was going to say that you know that it, it the problem with time is that it's a misnomer because it gives you the news for the week so right you know yeah yeah and especially now when we're in a like a news instant like uh, like pe people aren't satisfied about re reading about something that happened a week and a half ago yeah. yeah. Speaking of reading Very papers strange. and magazines, that was your first job, right? A paper route. Yeah, I got up at four in the morning, and my shoulders are still drooping because of it. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you when you did that? I started at 13. Jeez. Wow. And then, and, and then what made you, did your parents say get a job? Did your parent, or was that just sort of something in you that wanted to save up to buy something? Or 
What was it that made you start going to work at age 13? At age 13, when I was a kid, if you wanted something other than lunch money, Mm -hmm. which was a gift. I mean, most people didn't have that. Yeah. Then you uh, had to do something. So I got a paper out. And how many houses? Back then, people actually read the paper. Yeah. (laughs) So people were excited when you showed up. You were like a celebrity in the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know about a celebrity. (laughs) Well, depending on how fast and accurate you threw the papers. Not when I came every week to collect the 45 cents. Oh, wow. A massive 45 cents. 45 cents, yeah. Wow. I went home with a a fistful of 50-cent pieces. There you go. And what would you – was there something like – I remember when I got my first job at Albertsons back in groceries. When I got my first check, I was very excited to, like, go – like take a girl out like with that money like what was like when you made your first I don't know ten bucks like what what were you like all right here's what I'm gonna go like like Charlie Bucket and Willy Wonka were you gonna go get a <laughs> no bar? I think I I think I went to see uh, the Tulsa Oilers Double A baseball team nice there you go that's a that solid investment two miles and thirteen is a little young for you know taking a girl getting out. in the car and going oh yeah <laughs> sure <laughs> even today I think yeah oh yeah I like uh but I do like the fact that you had that work ethic and i don't know if that was instilled in you or if that was just what people did that at age 13 you're still like oh i i would like to buy something okay i'm gonna get a job i i, I feel that nowadays kids are like i would like to buy something at age 13 and they go well so my money yes yeah, someone should give it to me i've i i've i've earned it by breathing some yeah, yeah. yeah. there's a there's there are, there are those that are like that yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but i mean your uh your experience with I guess, would you call a lot of the um, kids who are part of the uh, uh, Hamilton and Friends uh, organization, would you call them millennials or would you? Well, they have been to date. I yeah. mean, the organization was started. I founded it in 2004. It's called Alexander Hamilton Scholars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Founded it in 2004. And um, uh, the first young people that won the award, uh, which the first year was 2005, they would have been uh, – uh, been born in 88 or 89. Yeah. So they're clearly millennials. Now, the ones that will win the award next year, those young people will have been born in 2000, 2001. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And I think now you're looking at whatever the post-millennial year is. The millennials mm-hmm. are starting to be all in the workforce. Yeah. You know, the youngest millennial has, is out of high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, now, well, I don't know what the next generation called, but we can we can probably define that right here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, well, uh, according to my dad, they they already have a name. It's called Lazy. Well, <laughs> it, could be the, it could be the trumped up generation. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I like that. Or maybe I don't. I'm not. I I don't know. <laughs> kind of scary either way. Now, uh, uh, yeah, this to- yeah this uh this uh chair this uh charity uh Hamilton Scholarship. Um, what made you Hamilton want to start Scholars, it? Hamilton Scholars. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, Hamilton Scholars. That basically, I felt like I'd, I'd uh, got to a point in my life I wanted to give back, do something. Mm-hmm. Always been interested in education. So, I, you know, look at education. What can I do? Yeah, this guy goes so to bookshops and buys spelling books. Like you've, I mean, your library is <laughs> right. Like there's you're a history buff, you're a spelling buff, you're. Yeah, a, I got these old textbooks. Uh, yeah, old textbooks from like yeah, the 50s. It goes back well from the 1850s. Jesus, whoa! You know, you had to stand erect with a pointer, you know, <laughs> and go and march to the 
to the blackboard and do your what they call recitation. That's yeah, pretty mm-hmm. amazing. All these r- rules are in this old textbook. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. See, some people walk by a hustler and get excited. You should excited do that for in your fun- stand-up routine. Yeah. You know, have a pointer and say, "Okay, now laugh." You know? <laughs> if a joke's really bombing, sure. See, <laughs> see, some people walk by a hustler store and see fuzzy handcuffs and get excited. He sees yeah. a textbook, a math book from 1845, and yeah, goes, that's pretty pretty cool for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so education on a whole is, is yeah, education on a whole was something I was really interested in. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, basically, uh, that that's one set. Yeah. And the question was, what do you do, though? And it, it sort of happened uh, separately. Uh, I was noticing in the workplace that young people coming out of college didn't really have much of a clue about what the real workplace was all about. So sure, that's one thing. And, yeah. and so I, I started looking into it, and I realized a couple things. First of all, there was a real disconnect from high school to college and from college to the workplace. And the other thing was, unlike earlier times when education was kind of jumbled up with apprenticeship stuff and that sort of thing, young people are pretty much with their own generation, mm-hmm. with their own age group, really, from uh, what, uh, early on, really late childhood? Yeah, yeah. Uh, until maybe your early 20s. Yeah, and you and said that's a disadvantage. Yeah. yeah, and you talk about how they're not young people are not necessarily prepared for the workplace after uh after college. I certainly agree with you because I know that when I started working uh, my 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 dad, I got I got a checkbook and he's like, "All right, now you got to balance your checkbook." And I'm like, "Okay, well how the hell do you do that?" Yeah. Because it's like I I was never taught that in in high school and college you're not taught that you're not taught about investing setting up 401k health insurance yeah you know things like that that you might actually need you're like well but i can tell you where the appendix is on a frog (laughs) (laughs) and man can i do that well well that's pretty cool (laughs) appendix on a frog i can't do that i didn't take biology i took typing instead so that was they didn't have biology when you were in school no i never took well they did yeah i I had i had a choice biology or typing yeah so I guess I didn't like an appendix on a frog. <laughs> well, I mean, to, to be on, to be honest with you, typing in terms of real world experience, yeah, it's a universal applicable. Yeah, typing skill. might be the best class I ever took. Yeah, in terms of like yeah. what has helped me, What's helped you as an adult. You know, I mean, maybe Spanish, but for the most part, typing. That, that's there you go. I I use it every day. Everybody do, uses typing one way or the other, either the hunting pack or the real thing. Yeah. So basically, uh, yeah, I that was the first thing. The other thing was more historical. I'd always been, uh, I'd been fascinated by Hamilton, and I not the musical. Of, no, yeah. not well. Yeah. Fascinated well, not, by that. That's yeah. too, yeah. That's pretty good too. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. I don't know much about rap, but boy, it's a great musical. <laughs> well, not with that attitude. You know quite a bit about rap. <laughs> <laughs> well, but when America had done had followed Hamiltonian ideas, we tended to do better. And what what do I mean by that is yeah. uh, the notion of having having people in leadership who are have strong principles have people in leadership who understand that we are one nation as opposed to individual states mm-hmm. uh having a, a sense of of the whole that's one thing and there's a lot of little things that go into it but but basically when you think about uh our most hamiltonian presidents uh, lincoln comes to mind uh both Roosevelt's, although some people would say Franklin Roosevelt was both Jeffersonian and Hamilton. I don't know, whatever. But, the, <laughs> but at least the way I was thinking, and it was just kind of my conclusion, I kind of got a kick out of Hamilton. He yeah. was kind of cool. Besides, here was a immigrant kid, yeah, who uh, from the Bahamas, out, from no, from a place called Nevis, near you know south 
what would it be? South east yeah. of the Bahamas. Okay, yeah. okay. So I the mean, islands. He yeah. didn't have anything. He was essentially orphaned by the time he was twelve. And 15 years later, he's helping write the Constitution. I mean, Jesus. hello. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's you know, a pretty interesting life. Cool, yeah. and, we, and you pretty much set up. Illegal immigrant, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> that's like me That's like me being Wolverine and then uh, motorboating Sandra Bullock five years yeah. later. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> just about the exact the, yeah. same thing. Yeah, exactly. Just, so in, I've done just as much for this country. Yeah. yeah. No. So in like 250 years, someone will write a really cool musical about you. <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm gonna love I'm gonna love the hip hop song about about you motorboating Sandra Bullock. That'd be fantastic. Adam and the Wolverine. <laughs> Here he comes, Mighty King. <laughs> that's actually a great story. But uh, so then so Hamilton. So then that's your your fascination with him and and who he was and what he stood for right. seemed like it could tie into the the, the yeah. kids of today. Yeah, and, and also I have this tendency to make things extremely complicated. Sure. So this is one way to do that. <laughs> So basically, what I thought, well, why don't we just figure out a program that kind of takes young people that are kind of like the young Alexander Alexandras of the world and uh, kind of work with them late high school through college and see what we come up with. And that's kind of what, what happened. That's so, pretty ambitious to start something from the ground up like that. But I guess you've always, I mean, right? I mean, to, to sit down and go, to have the idea is one thing, and then to start to figure out the the plan and how you're going to put it into action and then to actually do it and now it's we're sitting here how many years later well it's about 12 years now yeah i mean yeah. and have, the things yeah have you have you met up with some of the first kids that that were in the program that yeah. you know 12 yeah, years ones, later we're starting to really get some feedback i think one of the uh well way yeah, tell it, brad exactly what it what, yeah way it works uh, mm-hmm. there's a national application it's online right now at hamiltonscholars.org and if you're junior in high school you could apply okay you need to be from a k through 12 accredited school that's it Mm -hmm. and high achieving service oriented and low income that's kind of that's what hamilton was that's yeah high achieving service oriented low income kid who -hmm. happened to be from another country yeah showed Mm -hmm. up on the doorstep and said hey i want to write the constitution that's okay okay do it And then, but, uh, then so essentially set up find, the modern banking system too. Like yeah, the, yeah, you can bank on, you can really bank on that. Yeah. <laughs> so he. Oh boy. There he is. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, if you're if you're drinking I at mean, home, let's drink one for the first ma- fun. I mean, making bank jokes that makes no sense at all. <laughs> oh yeah. That's money. Did you hear that? That's Moneyball. <laughs> Did you hear that? He said that makes no sense at all. Yeah, like, oh, sense. Yeah. Good. Uh, I like that. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah. So, no, no. My dad and I would go back and forth for <laughs> really? for hours doing this to the point where my mom just goes we we knew we knew we were good when mom we would hear from the kitchen make your own damn dinner <laughs> that's when we're like yes we get some we got some good puns going got some good jokes going. yeah yeah yeah, yeah cool. <laughs> so then so then the uh and and these kids they like hamilton they're all i mean incredible kids that uh, could use a boost right that are don't yeah have- yeah and what what we do we get about two thousand applications we only select about 40 it's a national program yeah they're usually we'll have them from 20 25 30 states so and these stories and these essays these kids write to even pretty, apply pretty awesome i mean yeah. they're tear, they're like stories you can't even fathom quite honestly some of yeah them. some pretty gut-wrenching stuff yeah so so we find the kids and then the program then immediately starts and beginning next year it'll it'll it has three major areas supplemental training tailored uh mentorship programs and internships so there's internships mentored programs and the and these uh the supplemental training the supplemental training 
it goes essentially from that point of time in which they, which they get the award all the way through college. Yeah. Okay, fine. Uh, we don't need to get into specific details. Here, come up with a couple of ideas here on, on what it is, but I'll, uh, bottom line is that, well, let me, okay. Yeah. Empowerment, <laughs> leadership, financial literacy, heritage, and some called transition. Transition, get them into college, keep them in college, get them out successfully. Empowerment, they write a statement of values, a vision statement, a mission statement. They put together a seven-year personal development plan, then we teach them to implement that uh, through day planning and time management techniques. And leadership, we teach leadership from the point of view of kind of ethical dilemmas. You get situations where you, you can only do one thing and both of them are the right thing to do, and you're going to have to say no to one. And, you know, it's it, by going through this, and then by maintaining contact with them, we found that we get some amazing results. That's the big thing is staying in touch with them. The stay, that you you, that's it. That's We're finding that's about 80% of it. Because after the, the the first year when you get in, you do a leadership conference in Seattle, right? Well, next year, it'll actually start in New York between oh, wow. the junior and senior year of high school. A year later, they'll come to Seattle. A year after that, they go to Guatemala. And then so this a year group is staying later, together each year. Yeah, they that's amazing. Together. Yeah, and they'll, it, Then they'll go to Dallas. And there's different focuses on each of these leader and that's programs. and that's key because like you said the keeping up with them because yeah. any, anyone can go to one meeting you know or what you see one motivational speaker or you or, or you read one pamphlet but then if you don't follow up with that and certainly when you're young having kids around you because peer pressure is such a such a big thing if kids around you are saying like yes this positive these, peer yeah, pressure. These yeah. are the programs that we're involved in, and it's and it's sort of, it sort of it sort of becomes cool to uh, to achieve. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Then they're more likely to they're more likely to do so. So yeah, yeah I yeah. I totally see why that's a key part of the program. I mean, have have you had some uh, major success stories from like from like the first well, few years? That a couple of them. Uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of them. Oh, we've got. But let me tell you about one. It's pretty amazing. The internship. That one of those three things I mentioned. No. Mm-hmm. Midway through the program, a woman whose first name is Kara goes to Marshall, mm-hmm. uh, which is in West Virginia. She's yeah. from a dirt poor West Virginia background, and she really wants to get into the medical field. Mm-hmm. So she couldn't find – she's going to have to work. So the job of choice it would probably be flip burgers at McDonald's. I yeah. mean, seriously. Mm-hmm. She's trying to find something in the medical field. So she goes online and searches and finds this unpaid internship in Memphis with St. Jude. Wow. So she knew that we had a program where you could apply for a grant from Hamilton. You're a Hamilton scholar. You could apply for money to take on an, an unpaid internship. Right. She applied. It was given to her. So she goes there. Now she's at St. Jude. She's doing essentially clerical work. Uh, with this uh, group that's studying um, Parkinson's disease, mm-hmm. uh, DNA, and that's sort of isolating some stuff. And there's a stack. This is probably wrong, but it'll get the picture across. A stack of computer paper. We don't have computer paper like we did, but my vision was this <laughs> one-foot stack of computer paper. And uh, she wonders what this is. It's about DNA research. Uh, and they said, we're doing this and this. She said, if you have some way I can look at this, you know, I'd love to take a crack. And I said, well, we're doing, here's some things to do. Didn't think anything about it. She goes through in her spare time and isolates a gene that's associated with a certain kind of Parkinson. And as wow. a result of that, she presented it. They were blown away. 
not only does she finish her internship, but they hire full time after graduation. You uh, think? And <laughs> and she has now just published a research paper along with some PhDs at at St. Jude associated with this, which is a breakthrough in research. That would not I have mean, happened. That's had, probably I mean, unbelievable. You know, that's probably the most wow. I'll say. Uh, there's others that are, I think, equally dramatic, but not not in the terms of a. Holy smoke. And you're, yeah. and you're giving these kids like the confidence and also the attention of like, hey, you're you have value. You're worse. Like you're some of these kids are coming from places where they're not getting any validation. Right. They don't get the validation. And that's so yeah. key for I mean, you know, just it's human necessity. Like you need to you know, you're, you can have your own uh, instilled work ethic and, and strive for things, but you need to see you know positive reinforcement yeah, some sort of results yeah you know you guys I, I i mean i've been around you adam for a long time and your field is absolutely nuts i mean <laughs> to a first approximation it's impossible to succeed in it i mean you got twenty thousand people trying to hit the brass ring and it's 30 feet off of the ferris or for the uh, uh what is it the carousel yeah uh-huh. it's really difficult why do you got to make circus jokes around brad <laughs> Um, 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 me and me and my people are very hurt. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> all good. It is. Friend. It yeah. is. It's uh, it's all, near impossible. Well, yeah, but your your whole career is a circus. For yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, you know, yeah. It, it and just is. It, 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 the the advice I give to young comics, or when when they say like I'm th- I'm thinking about getting into com- I'm thinking about getting into stand up comedy, I say, okay, well, if you're okay with being poor, really poor, between two and 55 years you can be a stand-up comic (laughs) like if you're okay with that if you see that and go all right yeah i can still i can still do it then okay yeah i think adam you told me that uh if there's anything else you can do do it (laughs) yeah yeah i mean yes and if you if you have the inkling to do that other thing then you're you're not then then this career is not for you because you can't you can't have a plan b like i remember starting out and people you know, and I'm sure every, every job has the, even in the financial world, the, the amount of uh, uncertainty, right, as you're coming up. But like, financial you, world is nothing but uncertainty. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, for us, it's like, you, if you have a backup plan, then that, all that's going to do is distract from the, the, the plan A. It's, yeah. Having a plan B is going to take away from your plan A. Well, the reason I bring that up is uh, these young people are high achievers. Yeah. In, a, in schools frequently that are dominated by people that, in some respects, disdain achievement. Yeah. So they may be popular, but they're isolated, and they don't develop a lot of the skills that you might develop if you came from a more affluent area yeah. or a more affluent thing. Sure. So staying with them, because some of the darn things, some of the things that cause people to fall off the brink are just plain cuckoo oh i mean i mean you know you just say what on earth why did you quit college because of that yeah i mean it's avoidable one of my favorite uh jokes is a bill hicks joke where he talks about going where he talks about going to the waffle house and the sort of country bumpkin waitress comes up to him and bill is reading a book Mm -hmm. and she goes what you reading for and he looks up and goes so i don't end up here like it's it's just I'm trying to get out of here. Like why are you trying to get mad at me for trying to get smarter? Like yeah, it's yeah. Just, I'm I'm trying to, I'm trying to I'm trying to better myself. So uh and that de- and that definitely exists in in schools not not just in today's time, but hell when we were going to school, I'm sure 
uh, back when you were going to school. Yeah, Kid, kids yeah. that kids that started to succeed, other kids would start to break them down to try to get them back to their level. Yeah, yeah, and, and there's yeah. they, and there's there was always there, there's always sort of a war of achievement. Yeah, and you guys have seen that because yeah. uh, you know when you're trying to get a, get that brass ring and people say, ah, come on, you know, you get discouragement all the time, and and you know it, it's just awfully tough when you mm-hmm. really really want to do something for yourself you you know where you want to go but there's nobody there to help yeah mm-hmm. How did- and a lot of these programs are very well meaning but they they put a lot of money into short-term programs to kind of get you someplace yeah and uh you know it that's fine don't get me wrong i don't want to knock anything but we just find it putting our meat hooks on everybody and saying we're there whether you like it or not darn it well, unless they fire us, and they're not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I mean, I'm speaking metaphorically, but sure. we're there for you guys. I yeah, mean, you know, and uh, we, uh, I mean, this election, for example, was tough on a lot of young people, especially young women, sure, of color. And if they had happened to have had serious issues in their background, mm-hmm. abuse or something, it was even harder. Yeah, mm-hmm. we, our staff, they, they were. I, I can't tell you how great it was. They were on the phone. Night and day, it seemed to me, calling people and saying, "How you doing?" Yeah, yeah. Just that. Yeah, yeah. And you know? and it's amazing how just that question can mean the world to people yeah, yeah. because we're we're in such a fast world where we're con- where we're we're on our phones and we're heads down and we're constantly worried about our own stuff. To have someone actually stop, take Check time in. out of their day, and just go, "How are you doing?" And not in the casual like, "Hey, what's up?" Like, just how are yeah, you doing? Not yeah. the Hollywood way where you're already walking away after you say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, what do you find that you've um, just, I guess, um, you know, obtained uh, as uh, as a person over the years that you feel like you can, um, uh, you know, give back mostly in uh, as far as experience to the kids that you come across? Well, I don't know how much I can do. It's mainly setting up the structure and letting the staff handle most of it. But you just basically listen and speak from the heart about stuff. Mm-hmm. In my particular area of expertise i've written the the empowerment curriculum i spent a lot of time in helping people develop a sense of vision vision is who do you want to become that's how we define that and mission what do you want to do or achieve so being and becoming is is a vision kind of sense and doing and achieving achieving is a is mission and in the values and values we divide into core principles which you can get from a variety of things religion or just early early experiences that help define who you are and and a set of things that help you engage the world how do you want to engage the world Mm -hmm. uh how do you want to present yourself to the world those are values too so we we help them structure these things it's already there with most people but it's sort of like chipping away at the diamond and making it work in a ring as opposed to just kind of being some kind of rock that you look at and wonder what it is yeah Mm. i mean it's kind of like in stand-up like you know uh, you know brad and i when we came up yeah i'm sure like we had the natural funny in us but then it takes you know, even like, you know, he had a, a big name comic take him on the road and show him some ropes and give like little tidbits of advice and, yep. and experience yeah. things. And it's yeah. like, and I had some of that too with, you know, Bobby Lee and whatnot. And it's like, you do, everybody needs that, um, you know, extra little introduction to, um, you know, just the, uh, what it is that you're trying to get into. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had a question cause, uh, you, you talk about having the, having, having, people of high moral character i i think that when a a man start uh, dates a single mom uh, or and 
agrees to sort of be a substitute dad, that is one of the highest degrees of moral character I know. Because you're taking on other kids that you did not have. Like so, when you uh, when you started dating Puddin. Uh, did you did you look at Adam and his sister and be like, oh God, or or was that or was that or or were you encouraged? Well, Adam was kind of a ray of hope, you know. But other than that, <laughs> nice. Uh, Put it on a bumper I sticker. I didn't. I didn't think of anything like that. I think, and and to be fair, I mean, you mentioned guys doing it, but uh, it, it go the door swings both ways. Oh, sure, absolutely. Know? Yeah, I think it's uh, many respects. Uh, a lot easier for a man to step in that situation uh, than it is for a woman sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, now did you? And uh, this might be weird because he's sitting right here. But did but did you have any uh, weird times with Adam where he he kind of looked at you and said, "You're not my dad," like 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 that like that kind of scenario? I think we got. I mean, the timing was kind of perfect. Like when you guys, well, you had converted to Judaism. Yeah, I became I became a Jew about yeah. the time. Uh, uh, yeah, we were. No, I was in the midst of it when right. I met your mom. That's right. And yeah. what was that? Uh, do you remember the first like meeting you guys had, or or uh, date ask out? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, the first time I uh, we were uh, actually helping uh, uh, a fellow, Jeffrey, Jeffrey yeah. yeah, a fellow that had uh, serious Parkinson. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, I basically we were cleaning out his apartment. He had to go to a. He was one of those early. He was a younger man who got Parkinson's. Really, a tragic situation. So, your mom and I were helping him, and I said, "Oh, by the way, in the midst of taking out garbage, uh, would you like to go to the symphony?" There's <laughs> <laughs> uh, no better she, time. And she <laughs> looked at that man holding two bags of garbage and thought, "That's my future." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and to this day, that's my number one job: is taking out the garbage. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's that's what she knew you for. She yeah. said, "Well, there's a guy I can count on yeah, to take out the garbage." Yeah, that's the yeah. one thing I don't want to do. Yeah, <laughs> I get the recycling, which is to take that out too, which is an yeah, hey, bonus. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're going above and beyond, extra yeah. credit. That's pretty cool. <laughs> what was now, Mom? Uh, puddin has been on the podcast twice. Um, a, a fan She's favorite. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say, what did you did? Obviously, like people say in relationships, like sense of humor is key. And you guys, which I love, you guys laugh a lot together and you guys have similar sensibilities. Like when did, how early did that, did you find that uh, attribute? And uh, Laughing together? Yeah. <laughs> uh, probably the first time I tried to help her clean out the closet. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have different styles in the closet. Yeah. You know, and so it that's really a thing about a, a second marriage. Yeah. Uh, if you can't figure the closet out, <laughs> I mean, you're in trouble because, I mean, yeah. you know, all of the past ghosts, everything is in the closet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, her ghost, my ghost. Yeah. And the ghosts don't know necessarily that you guys are falling in love. They're out, they're out doing their own thing. Yeah. So those closets are interesting. <laughs> so you know, I have one kind of style of putting stuff in there, and she has another one. So yeah, this is that was, uh, and it's and it's learning to adjust to the closet style. You got to adjust to closet style, or the I mean, solution: buy two closets. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, uh, two two closets, two DVRs, two bathrooms. Yeah. 
Hey, everybody. Adam Ray here for the About Last Night podcast. Look, do you like food? Probably you're a person. You have hunger desires. You like delicious food. Are you a busy professional couple or a large family that runs at a breakneck pace or somebody who, like me, just wants to start cooking more but doesn't have the tools or resources or is lazy as fuck and doesn't want to go to the store to get all the materials? HelloFresh makes all this shit easier and tastier and healthier than ever before to enjoy the experience of cooking new recipes and eating together at home, all right? Basically, they allow you to create recipes and plan meals uh, without doing the grocery shopping because all that shit gets delivered to you, pre-measured, and delivered right to your doorstep so that you can cook and be a baller in your own home. Uh, Super easy, okay? Look, HelloFresh, they basically created this whole program so that people like me, like you, like Brad, who are using this, uh, we like to cook, you know, but it's like we're so busy, we don't have time to go out to the store and get everything and then bring it home and measure it out and just, it takes so much fucking extra time. HelloFresh gets that shit pre-measured all the ingredients for you, and then they send it to you to your doorstep, and all you gotta do is cook that shit up and enjoy it, alright? HelloFresh, they source the freshest ingredients, measure to the exact quantities, so there's no food waste, alright? They have full-time registered dietitians who review each recipe to make sure they're nutritionally balanced, and guess what? They deliver all this shit to your doorstep in a special insulated box for free, okay? Look, we all fantasize about being baller cooks in our own home, okay? Everyone sees Wolfgang Puck on TV when he's like, look at me, I made the new fanciest pizza that everybody loves and everybody wants to fuck me. And you're like, Puck, you're the man, dude. How did you get to that level? Well, he cooks and measures shit out. And guess what? You can do that too at home, but you don't have to measure it out because HelloFresh does it for you and they send it to your doorstep for free. For free is a big key here, all right? So do you want to start living life better and tasting the, all the good fruits and foods and veggies and meats that life has to offer? Go to HelloFresh.com and use promo code ALN35 to get $35 off your first week of deliveries and start living life the good way, man. I'm telling you, HelloFresh is the shit, dude. I used to hate cooking. Now I do it all the time because of HelloFresh. And uh, at first it was like, all right, this is a sponsor for the podcast. I'll try it out. I actually love it. And uh, my mom just came down to visit and we cooked up a storm. And she was like, this is such a great service. What, what is it again? I was like, HelloFresh, mom. She's like, what is it? I'm like, mom, I'm two feet away from you. I think you have hearing problems. She's like, I'm just high as fuck. Go to HelloFresh.com, promo code ALM35, and get $35 off your first week of deliveries and start tasting the better side of life. Now, Brad just got engaged. you have any uh, advice? Really? Yes. yes. Oh, my God. Congratulations, Brad. That's really good. Thank you, sir. And uh, as, as, Oh, you're going to have eight or nine kids. Oh, no, sweet Lord. I uh, <laughs> hope she's not listening to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> we're going to have children. Uh, we're, we're hopefully we're planning on adopting eventually. Okay. Uh, uh, not to get too serious, but uh, the... the China had its one kid policy for a long time. Now it's a now it's a, a two child policy, and there's so because you're limited by the number of kids you can have. There's when kids have slight disabilities, a lot of times they're sort of cast aside or put into adoption, so the family but so the family doesn't have to raise them. So we want to uh, have a Asian dwarf baby, <laughs> an Asian dwarf, an Asian yeah. dwarf baby. That Beyonce, and, yeah. I'm pretty sure that just gets you into college, uh, <laughs> like right on the essay. You are double minority. Yeah, yeah. When you're like Asian dwarf, you're like, oh well, that yeah, of course. Yeah, we need yeah. one of those. Yeah, we need we need that one for the pamphlet. That sounds like a superhero. To me. <laughs> <laughs> Look down on the ground. <laughs> It's crawling, solving math problems very quickly with tiny hands. It's an Asian dwarf baby. We had a Hamilton scholar who was blind. 
Really? Oh. I guess is that okay to say blind? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Was visually her mother was sure. blind. Wow. And we took her to Guatemala, and she rode a horse up this volcano. Uh, oh my god! And uh, she actually was an equestrian. She jumped. What? Wow! I, I mean, I don't know how she did. Does it, I, that's ultimate that trust. I mean, she went through the, you know the the jumping course, you know, with yeah, the, the neat outfit and the hat and all that. And sure, the the most boring Olympic sport out there, but it's still it, it, it's <laughs> cool more, and also one of the most dangerous. Yeah, yeah, it, it, boring, I, dangerous. I, I don't know how that can happen. I don't know how a sport can be so boring yet so incredibly dangerous. Yeah. I'm not sure how that how that worked By out. By the way, that, that is but that, ultimate but that's amazing. trust in an animal. I fell off a pony at Pony Camp when I was nine, <laughs> and I haven't been on a horse since. And she's <laughs> jumping over volcanoes? Yeah. Po- well, not, not jumping over volcanoes. Well, you oh, okay. jump over the volcano. That would, that's, that would be something. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a Tom Hanks movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, and so then, uh, and so I want to know, and so then when and when you... Because the timing was uh, perfect, you know, for yeah. people who... How old were you, I've Adam, mentioned, when they started I dating? Before, I think I was um, about 18, 19, because I was just getting ready to go to Los Angeles for college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 it was... A- 99 98 yeah and i was you know i was very uh i got into the point where i was finally like wanting my mom to find somebody because like you go through that stage when when uh when they split up and you're like i any other person is like you know not your it's a threat yeah Yeah. and uh and so i definitely single-handedly you know uh messed up a few of those as a kid which looking back (laughs) i'm glad i did so that uh you know uh, it would end up george and uh, and I just remember like getting to that point where I was gonna come to L.A. and I was like, oh man, now I'm at the point where I, you know, you, you start to see your parent as a person and not yeah. as a parent, and you yeah. just, and you go, I'm like, oh man, I, and you start to see how great, you know, in my case, my mom is, and I'm like, oh, she deserves to be happy, and she deserves yeah. now. Now I'm over being selfish about not you know wanting anybody else to step in and i'm moving away yeah, to school and you're leaving yeah. so you, you can't just have her alone in the house just like hoping like well adam may come back today yeah like that's not and she would and to her credit she was very adamant about me yeah. leaving i was like mom i might just go to university of washington and she's like nope you're go if you get into sc you're yeah. going down there you have to and then mm-hmm. you know and then i meet you and and you take me to a sonics game i don't know if you remember when you took me to a sonics game to ask her uh, to ask me, yeah, yeah, to ask, right. which yeah. was a cool move because I was yeah. kind of like the man of the house, I guess. And you asked me if you could uh, ask her um, to marry you, which was a classy move. And I don't know, if, do you remember that I jokingly said like no at first? Do you even remember that, or were you just so? <laughs> I remember you looked over and it was during the game, and it was a Sonics game, and it was great. And you were like Adam, and the reason I brought you here is I want to want to ask you to. Uh, if I can ask your uh, mom, you know, I like her very much. And if I can ask her to, to marry me and I go, no, nah, I don't think so, George. And then there was like a brief <laughs> moment where <laughs> there was a brief moment where your face just kind of went, wait, what? <laughs> and then I said, no, of course, that would be amazing. And uh, oh, gee. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh, gee. I, I, I think I was kind of at a blank. I remember the Sonic game. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, oh, gosh, Sonics. That's another thing. Yeah. <laughs> that was a classy move, though. That's, you know, that was the podcast. Thanks, yeah, was that, sure. uh, and I mean, you know, I couldn't have been happier, well, that's the way. Yeah, that's the way you used to do that, you know. Yeah. And, hey. of course, going back a couple of generations, if the dad said or no, you didn't do it. I'm oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, so what, wait, what would yeah. you have done if I had said no? Huh? What would you have done if I had said no? Well, we'd have had another talk. Uh, <laughs> what if I was like, I need to go to four more games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, if you get season tickets, you're in. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. But, and I think, and that's something that I recently did for my engagement. I, I, I called, up, uh, called up my now fiance's um, uncle, who she considers to be her dad, and uh, I asked for his permission. And that that was scarier than asking her. Because, well, not the fact that she, that the guy that, 
uh, her uncle's a multiple, multiple, multiple black belt and pretty much a grandmaster. Oh could, my gosh! And could <laughs> serious stuff break anyone. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know that guy. But um, but but for but for that reason, because like I can, I I felt like I can help. Uh, I can help her answer. I can yeah. make her want to marry me by being just a good dude. I don't have too much influence on on him, yeah. and if, and if he says no. Well, crap! Now, now, what the hell do I do? He, he would make you cry, Uncle, right? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I mean, come on! Man. I mean, That's tough. Oh, well done, sir. Well done. <laughs> it's it, I. I love. I love the puns so much that like I I laugh and I hate them at the same time. Oh yeah, those are the best. Those, oh yeah, those, those are the absolute best. Well, yeah. it took me a, it took me a minute to adjust to that because I hadn't been around that pun world in a long time. <laughs> and then George is just slinging them like they're. I mean, literally, they're falling out of his pocket. There's that many puns <laughs> ready to go. Like I remember the one of the first ones. You came to my apartment in uh, senior year of college after when you guys came down to visit and I was doing a play. And there was some for whatever reason I was in some you know bodunk uh, you know L A South Central apartment and there was a a nail for whatever reason on the desk and you just we just come from the show. And he picked up a nail and handed it to me. He goes, well, you really nailed the part. <laughs> and my roommates are just kind of like, oh, boy. How long is, how long is he going to be here? <laughs> but stuff like that's yeah, fun. That's uh, those are great. What I mean, do you uh, – who were the, like, uh, comedy um, – uh, like, you know, who did you like uh, growing up and who do you like today? Like, what's – I. Like you know, comedically, because you and mom watch a lot of uh, old movies, and there's a lot of old comedic actors. Oh, we do now. Yeah, I don't think we did. I mean, that's something recent. Yeah, of course. And actually, a lot of the movies we like are before our time. Yeah, you know, I've got this list of dead actresses I'm in love with. You know, <laughs> so, uh, you know. sure. So, you got you got, you got that uh, pull out cop- poster of Mae West. No, not Mae West. <laughs> that's a Greer, Greer Garson is more my style. Greer she, Garson? She, I she don't know who that is. I'll have to look that up. Here, help us out. When you name an actress, compare it to a modern-day actress for us. Meryl Streep. Nice. Okay. Uh, it would be more like, yeah. Yeah. Meryl Streep. Yeah. Any, any, or uh, I mean, she, She's older. You know, yeah. I, I tried to think of a younger one. Uh, like Natalie Portman, you had referenced. Natalie Portman, is that the way her latest stuff is... Yeah. is I mean, she's really incredible, versatile. Yeah. So her latest stuff, where she shows real strength of character, yep. that's kind of what, what uh, Greer Garson, yeah. redhead. She was a redhead. Yeah. Redhead. Look yeah. at that. I mean, uh, sure. There you go. Now there's a person who uh, you talk about came into the business and had a vision. I mean, what happened with her? Uh, she grew up in Northern Ireland, and uh, uh, at about age three, her dad took her to this. Uh, auction hmm. and next door there was a kind of a, a show going on in the stage and people were doing a, it sounds like a kind of a vaudeville a country vaudeville routine and she got up and started yakking away at age three and uh so oh, it made a big impression on her she, she from that moment she wanted to do so well she was very sickly and almost died as a kid wow. and didn't have any interaction with children until she was probably 12 or 13 but she was from this prim background, and her grandmother said, you can't go on the stage. When she said at age 12 or 13, she wanted to do it. So she held off till she was 31 hmm. to even start a career. Late start. And, and, and would, for a female, that's even more difficult. Well, because especially because six years later, she's playing a 16-year-old in Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> you know, so. Wow. wow. But, okay, but yeah. so, she had, so she had a baby face. Yeah. yeah. Well, she, so three years after she started, I mean, Louis B. Mayer, yeah. bingo. 
that's Find amazing. You're in London and you're it. That's Hooker, amazing. Hooker Hollywood, yeah, pretty amazing. <laughs> Are there? Uh, you know, you, you and Mom always give me a hard time about the classics that I have not seen. Yeah. Uh, I would love to know, uh, Brad, if you have seen some of these that I have also. Because you are a big TV movie watcher. I do. And I always am envious at how much yeah. more knowledgeable you are of the uh, cinematic world. Yeah. Um, I have seen Shanghai Nights twice in the theater, which I am. Uh, you should be very proud uh, of that. And Jurassic Park. I mean, uh, that is, everybody has got to see. You're not American unless you've seen Casablanca at least five times. You know? All right. I'm on, I'm on twice. So I got well, three more. Well, so I have three more to sit. I've still not uh, seen it. Bogey is kind of a, you know, he's just guy. You know, <laughs> I remember the night well. The Germans wore gray. You wore blue. I mean, it's it just it's classic. You know, it's, why it's is it so classic. classic? Why do people? Why do I need to see it so bad? It's it it it's not to make you flip the table. <laughs> why do you? It, it's uh, a beautiful. It, it, it's a beautiful it, story. Yeah, it's just a classic, beautiful story and uh, good good acting and it it it. it, it Okay, if someone was saying I'm going to start watching the NBA, and you you'd be like, well, why should I watch the Showtime Lakers? It's like because they influence so much. Oh, they, great way to put it. Yeah, like you have you have to watch certain things of the past, and you'll know this as a history buff. Like you learn when you look the, about things that happened in the past when when you study the when you study the Richard Pryors, when you study the Rolling Stones, when you study things that happened in the past, then you gain an appreciation of current things because you know sort of how they developed and how they and how and where they came from. Right. So yeah, yeah it's yeah. uh I, w- I, w- I would say yeah. Casablanca, especially. Go yeah, they, for it. Uh, Casablanca was uh, uh, written by the, the script was written by two Jewish comics, and a lot of the stuff. I mean, it was came from a play. Uh, uh, Everybody goes to Rick's. I think was the name of the play. But uh, these two, I've forgotten their name. But they, they, if you look at the fiftieth anniversary of of Casablanca, they, the, these two brothers, yeah, talk about it, and they're just laughing because they came up with all these lines. They're presented seriously in the in the in the movie but they're just dying laughing about them i mean that one uh you know she finally sees his love again after a long absence and he says yeah i remember the day well the germans were gray you were blue they were just dying laughing because you know simple little line yeah presented very very seriously and but it was to them it was kind of comic and it's funny how something serious can also have comedic overtones yeah I think the reason that that particular one is, is that here's a love story. You desperately want these two to get together, and they can't do it because mm-hmm. there's a greater good they aspire to, and they can't do it. So that final ending, uh, you know, where they, they go their separate ways, uh, you know they desperately love each other. but it's not. Well, I guess I don't need to see it. Thanks for fucking <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, Casablanca yeah. may be the – that and and Star Wars, the most misquoted movie of all time. Oh yeah, because everyone always says, "Oh, the famous line from Casablanca." Play it again, Sam. That's never said in the no. entire movie. It's yeah. it's like the same thing with the uh, Star Wars. Pe- pe- people think the most famous line from Star Wars is "Luke, I am your father." Darth Vader never says that. What? He never really? says. He never says, "Luke, I am your father." What does he say? He Luke, sa- I am your significant <laughs> guardian. I am your. He says. He says something along the lines of, "Look inside yourself. You know it to be true. I am your father." He ne- he never says, "Luke, comma, I am your father." That's a- nerd alert. That's me. <laughs> That's Don't a- care. Twentieth century version of fake news. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
There should be maybe a uh, required viewing uh, in for Hamilton scholars. Well, like actually, I think a lot of uh, for Hamilton scholars. I've thought I'd love to get on TCM with some of these scholars. Yeah, yeah. turn. Uh, here's movies. what I, here's what you do is is you get them to talk about these old movies. I'll give you an example. Uh, uh, it's uh, oh gosh, Lana Turner and uh, Imitation of Life, 1958. This is about a white woman who wants to be an actress her white daughter and then a maid who they meet early in the picture and her daughter who passes for white so the maid is black mm. so it's a story of these four people as they move through time and it's gut-wrenching and it's uh, a depiction of mid-20th century race relations and you learn so much from that even from Casablanca the relationship yeah. between the piano player yeah. And Rick. Yeah. I mean, at one time, Elsa, the love interest, calls the piano player boy. Mm -hmm. And it's accepted. Yeah. Now, this yeah. is 1940, right? So to look at that is to sense how far we've come. And, you know, were you, you know, it's a great movie. But you, <laughs> but it for many uh, millennials, especially looking at that, that's the first thing they see. Yeah. They don't see the love story. They see that. The language. Here's a here's a here's a African American being called boy. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and then in the uh, in the one in uh, I mean today, if an African American girl can pass for white, it's no big deal. Mm -hmm. That was a huge thing in 1958. Yeah, and, and she would if they found out. Oh my God, you know, you know she couldn't be. And of course, she was dating one guy, this nice looking white guy, and he winds up beating her up. Yikes! <laughs> in the in the movie, because he when he finds out that he she had not told him, yeah, she, wow. she's uh, uh, African American or yeah. partially at least. Yeah, and crazy. And, and, crazy. And, and, and so you can watch movies like that from the past and go like, wow, look how sort of far we've come. And at the same time, how far we still need to go. We got a long way to go. Yeah, we got a long way to go. We yeah. always will, though, right? I mean, there's. It seems like there's you know well, constant hope evolvements and changes for the better, but then it's. With every step forward, I feel like there's a couple well, back. Yeah, we, we, we can go backwards. We, you know, there's yeah, no yeah. question about that. Yeah, yeah. no kidding. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you because Adam told me uh, that you went to West Point, and I have uh, such a respect for uh, not not only just the military, but certainly the people that go that go through there. Cause, uh, and, cause, and that's the officer training college, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And why, and why, why did you attend West Point? Was that was that a family influence or was that your own? No, desire? I, it was my own choice, and I I was not I was less interested looking back on it in the army, mm -hmm. but I really admired the tradition and the and the program at the academy, and I really I love that part of it. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, you know, I was I was not uh, very well suited for the military afterwards, but. Uh, you know, getting through West Point. I mean, once I got in, I actually enjoyed it. After the first year, it was pretty tough. That first year, I was, how so? Well, I'm not an athlete, and gosh, again, not a rapper, not an athlete. Your uh, attitude, you know, the first, <laughs> the first term, you got to box. Uh -huh. I mean, you know, oh my God, where's the boxing. footage of you boxing? My sparring partner was a guy named Sam Champy, who's an all-American tight end. <laughs> This guy Jeez. outweighed me. He was taller than I. His reach was six inches longer, or maybe a foot longer. For all I don't know. But thank God he was a gentle giant, you know. And uh -huh. he only he only 
But the problem is, a light punch from Sam would still send me back 10 feet. <laughs> sure. Yeah. In this corner, Sam Chappie. <laughs> right. In this corner, yeah. George Cox. Yeah. <laughs> so, man, I don't know how I got through that class. Wow. Wow. Was that, is that a standard class at West Point, or was it at the time? Just boxing? They still, they still do it. Yeah, boxing was a big deal there. I mean, hand-to-hand combat. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It, boxing, wrestling, gymnastics, and... Uh, God, everybody gymnastics. Had to take, even the basketball players had to take gymnastics. That, wow. was, a, that can, was something else. Can you still do a cartwheel? <laughs> yeah, how's your back handspring? <laughs> well, I had to do a on the side horse. Yeah, oh, yeah, pummel yeah, yeah. horse. You know, do that thing and back and forth a couple of times, and I was able to do it. However, I think there were a couple of times I got on that thing in which um, anything that might uh, be construed as uh, productive with the opposite sex would have not have been able to <laughs> achieve for a while. <laughs> what a great PC that, way to break whoa. that down. That is the fanciest way I've ever heard. I got hit in the balls. That's that's uh, that's, oh that's the most exquisite it, way I've ever heard that put. It would send your balls to the wall. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's fantastic. It was, a, it was, a, it was an interesting. Um, and, and and was there any particular reason why you didn't pursue the military after your time at West Point? Uh, I'm too entrepreneurial mm-hmm. for an organization like that. Mm-hmm. And at the time, coming out of Vietnam, uh, oh, I, I I didn't. There was it was a it was a struggle to figure out where I really fit in. Sure. And uh, so I think a combination of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I decided to go back and you know do some other stuff and with your involvement in, in the financial world i do have to ask this question and i'm sure it's boring to everyone else but i i, I invest a lot so i've got to know do you subscribe to the uh warren buffett school where you invest in things that you enjoy invest in things that you like yeah very much so all right that's the way to do it yeah that's 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 so basically, so basically, Adam. So Brad's investing in in Star Wars and yep. uh, and uh, cookies. <laughs> yeah, Disney, Disney and Keebler. Got a lot of money in Disney and Keebler. Just make sure you invest in 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 the Coke that you drink. That's yeah, a, that's really important. Have as there. Uh, what, what do you? What about that world? I want to know. Do you has been? Uh, have you been able to apply to other aspects of life? Just the financial world in general, like lessons learned, life lessons, or uh, the way you deal with people. Well, the main thing in finance, I think, is to recognize that there are no magic bullets, Mm -hmm. uh, that everything is, you're dealing with uncertainty. There is no certain way to do things. So what you have to do is uh, play the percentages Mm -hmm. and and work the percentages so that you uh, make appropriate changes that you know make sense as opposed to take risks all the time if you're going to take a risk understand the consequences that's really it i kind of a jumble of things but yeah (laughs) uh, yeah yeah don't don't just say hey i want to invest and you put your money down a variety of rat holes and expect anything other than rat feces <laughs> i mean start, start yeah. simply start yeah simply. i mean it's it's it, it people think it's a complicated world and a lot of times it can be but if you just kind of simplify it 
and like I said, like invest in things that you use and you like and you enjoy, then yeah, you might you, you might come out on top. You have one hope. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Adam says you're also an old car guy. I got a few old cars. We're gonna yeah. Uh, restore my son and I are going to restore other you know uh, well, not Adam yeah. but Austin okay uh, he, we're going to restore a 1929 Franklin which going to look a little bit like one of those cars out of Downton Abbey the one that comes up and it was a maroon and black sedan that came up and took all the took all the people to the rail station yeah uh, it's going to look a little bit like that when we're done it's going to be kind of fun yeah, yeah as, soon, as, as soon as you said that my son are going to restore a car I'm like at, wait at what <laughs> how dare you Adam can't change his oil what's happening <laughs> Wow, that's, that's a problem. You know, uh, most people today don't know how to change wi- uh, windshield wipers. You know? Oh, Jesus! Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. If I was on a show called "Change a Windshield Wiper for a Million Dollars," I would <laughs> lose. Very. Did you ever want to go on any sort of game show or anything like that? You and Mom both are very like. Oh, quit I, with, no, not really. Really? No. If you could go on one game show, what would it be? What game show? Like Wheel of Fortune or Jeopardy? Do you feel like you would succeed at one of those? Never thought about it. Wow. I never really thought. No, I haven't. I'm, I'm stumped. <laughs> I don't know. I'm stumped. There's the uh, there's, so, a, there's, there's, there's a picture of a 1929 Franklin. Wow. It, it, it's a sedan, but yeah, that's what it'll, it'll look like. It'll look more like the one in the rear there. That's you, incredible. You know, okay. That one, yeah. And what about the whole old car world? Is just so fascinating to you. I don't know. It's just uh, kind of fun, and yeah. uh, I just enjoy driving them. Probably it's an ego thing, you know. People. <laughs> I had one. Uh, it was this uh, fish market. Uh, I have a Austin Healey. Yep, and it's a three thousand sixty five beautiful car. So I'm driving this thing down Greenwood Avenue, yeah. and I come up to a stop sign, and this woman who looked she's big enough to roll out toward me. She comes <laughs> running out under the. She says with a cell phone, "What is that car?" So I tell her, and she's screaming at her husband, and uh, she came out with the fish. I don't know what she was going to I thought she was going to throw a salmon at me or something. <laughs> but, you know, it's a new school crime fighter. Story. Right, right, right. You know you know the one down in Greenwood? It's got a wooden salmon with yeah. the mouth just always going up and down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she came out and, uh, yeah, stuff like that. But, uh, you know, you kind of, that's funny. Oh, so she screamed uh, at you because she was impressed? Yeah. 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 I mean, it, okay. I, you know, it's a little bit of an ego. Well, and, and – one thing to, to kind of come full circle here, one thing that you can kind of relate uh, keeping up a classic car to to your charity is uh, your charity is not a one and done with these kids. You stay with them their entire lives. And the same, in the same way with, the, with these old cars, you can't just be like, all right, I bought an old car. It looks really great. I'm going to drive it all the time. Like, no, it's constant upkeep because they are old cars. It, it, well, yeah, well, these are young kids. And it, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know that they're constant. The, the tie-in is uh, there's a reason they call a charity a nonprofit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. So we're always trying to we do need to raise money and all yeah. of that. So uh but but the uh, the cars, I mean that's definitely a non-profit thing. Even if you yeah. sell it for a higher price, the yeah. probability is the amount you put into it. So it's got to be a labor of love. Right, exactly. See, yeah. see my my problem would be if I uh had some funds to uh, invest in old transportation modes, it would be like, you know, like uh old hot air balloons, you know? I would collect <laughs> I want to be the weird guy that collects hot air hot, balloons. Yeah. You, you, <laughs> You would have like the Flintstones car. <laughs> wow! It'd be like okay. foot, foot, foot power. <laughs> I mean, that's a great idea. Maybe that's your next collectible. <laughs> that's something. That's something. You do say it's an ego thing. It's like, have you ever thought about just driving down, like you know, in just a t-shirt, blasting "We Are the Champions" down Greenwood <laughs> Avenue? <laughs> well, maybe not in a t-shirt. You do. You could do that. In your, yeah. You know, in a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I would fit the bill on that. But, uh, uh, 
Yeah, yeah but it, you know, it's uh, it's interesting. I, you know, we're doing a lot of things. We're probably doing too much right now. The big big activity outside of family and uh, still winding down my financial service stuff yeah. is is Hamilton and and I. That's mm-hmm. but I tell you. And these ga- and these galas too that you guys put on are unbelievable. Yeah. Where, where these big nights at the end of the um, leadership week yeah. and the speakers that you get to come and the people that invest their time and that really you know have a, a positive impact on these kids and that yeah. initial first program to to you know give them um, an idea of what's in store for the rest of the program and people can donate right and where can they go to go to hamiltonscholars.org and uh, you can donate there or you can get the address and send in a check. What we're really trying to build up now is is donors that uh, put in a little bit every month, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ten, twenty five, ten thousand. You yeah. know, it, that that's that works too. Yeah, we don't want to. We won't turn ten thousand dollars a month. <laughs> yeah. No, we want ten dollars a month, not your <laughs> not your twenty five thousand dollar donation. Uh, yeah. How dare you? Uh, yeah, and there's a and there's a big picture of of uh, of pudding. Right there on the front with uh, uh, with a lot of the kids. She's then, been very involved. And then been very involved. that looks like you in a top hat. I'm in a top hat. Yeah, I, I <laughs> that's classy. He's got he's got the hat game on lockdown. I, and, I have figured, top, and a bow tie. I want people to know that <laughs> top hat and a bow tie. Yeah, the top hat. Top hats are fun. I I uh, <laughs> I, I've got a collection of hats now. Yeah, I I, mm-hmm. I, I succumb to the world of hats, <laughs> and uh, I have a okay. I've got my top hat. Mm-hmm. I've got a Twilby. I've got What'd a you fedora. call me? A Twilby. <laughs> oh. What is that? It's a fedora with a narrow brim. Oh, that's right. Uh, and All a fedora right. is a Twilby with a wide brim. I like it because I, I mean I'm not wearing it now, but I'm I, I just I just got a fedora about maybe two three months ago, yeah, yeah. and I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked you look good on in it. Fedora. Yeah. He looks he looks fedora. I wore my fedora in today. <laughs> you did actually. Yeah. yeah. And I got a white one too, which is for summer. And my my favorite though, my was, favorite. <laughs> You know, I can the, only wear it with a top coat. Is a Homburg, a Homber, Homburg, H O M B U R. What is that? Well, it it's it's round on top. Which think of a of a bowler. Okay. Okay. Kind of round. Yeah. Uh, and then cleft in the middle, but symmetrically cleft. Yeah. Whereas a fedora is not, and, mm-hmm. and it's kind of turned up on the side. So it's a it's a pretty, and it it. Uh, oh, it, there it is. There, yeah, yeah, yeah there, there. Winston Churchill's wearing it. That's yeah, it. there it is on on I, Winston I, Churchill, and, and and if it's good enough for the this. for the Prime Minister of England, there you go. Good you enough start, for anybody. You're gonna have to start smoking cigars too, George. Yeah, <laughs> I don't do the cigar thing, but I do the Holmberg thing. There, <laughs> there you go, man. Uh, I do. What do you, uh, Mom, being so involved in Hamilton? What 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 has she brought that's been? She nice does. To, you know, she's a social worker. Yep. So she does one. Uh, there's one session at our leader week that. We get calls, we get letters five, six, eight years later saying it was the most important one session that they've ever had. And what it is, it's uh, when life throws you a curve. Uh, and so the scholars get together and they share some of their deepest, quite frankly, difficult moments. And it bonds them as nothing else. And your mom leads that. And she's uh, become a surrogate mom to 400 kids because of that. So it's a very, very important thing. The thing about it, you get all these kids from all of the United States. They get together. They don't, they're unique in their community. They come together and they say, hey, I didn't realize there are people just like me elsewhere. And then they share these moments. And 
it it's revealing. You know, when frequently, if I've had a best friend or when I've connected with them, it's because somebody says, George, let me tell you something about myself. And they share and they open up and they trust you with that. They trust you with that moment. And that's when that deep level of friendship occurs. And because of that, these people, when they come together, they don't let go. They don't let go. I love and that, that becomes a huge thing. At that point, even though we stay connected with them, the most important thing is they can stay connected with each other. Mm-hmm. And and it's a it's a very very big thing. I you know, I had a we had a situation. I'll give you give you a, an example of how this works. There's a young woman from Alaska who was homeless, parentless in Alaska. One of the top students in her high school and she's living in the middle of winter in a car. All right. Wow. Uh, she wins the Hamilton Award. Separately, there's a young man in Ohio who happens to be half Egyptian, half Somali, born in Egypt, uh, moved here as a very young child, and his father dies, and he's now the sole support of his family. Very top student. He wins the award. They come together in Seattle. They meet. They become good friends, you know, and they've talked with each other over the years. They have both made some mistakes, but right now the young woman has graduated from college. She has a child. Yes, it was out of wedlock, but darn it, she's making it. And she's got an incredibly responsible job with a high tech company in, in, in a marketing uh, department. The other fellow, the young Muslim fellow has decided that in his rather rural area of, of Ohio, mm-hmm. he thought it would be a good idea if he went to people and said, if you want to get to meet a Muslim, I'm your guy and I'd be happy to talk to you and I'd like to get to know you. So here mm-hmm. there's a picture I have of the two of these people together. I don't think either one of them would be where they were without the other person. And this fellow now in Ohio is working with the mayor of Hamilton, Ohio, uh, to make, I believe it's Hamilton. It's in. Uh, he's, uh, he's just, he will graduate soon from Miami, Ohio, uh, with a program to try to bring people together so they can greater understand their differences. But again, it's these two very different people mm-hmm. who understood each other and shared their own inner secrets, and they're like brother and sister. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing I'm most proud of when you see that. Sure, it's nice. I, I mean, I'm so incredibly awestruck by a young woman who go, winds up in and helps find a cure for Parkinson's or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what really changes the world are people who see something about something from a totally different sphere who comes together and they, they get to know each other. They know their deep, difficult moments and their strengths. Get to know each other so that they can share and reinforce the strengths and minimize the weaknesses. That's what true friends do. And that's what we're doing at Hamilton. That's awesome. Yeah, we get scholarship money. Most of these people graduate without any debt. Mm -hmm. Uh, We help them, we do that. But creating that kind of friendship, you know, uh, one of the greatest books in the English language, novels. It's Goosebumps. Middle, oh yeah, Goosebumps, (laughs) that's a good one. But this one will give you Goosebumps. Middlemarch by uh, Marianne Evans. You ever hear of Marianne Evans? No, I have not. Well, the reason you haven't heard Marianne Evans is because in the 19th century, you couldn't publish as a woman. Her name is George Eliot. Oh, Most people okay. have heard of George Eliot. Okay. But at the end of the book, Middlemarch, she says of the heroine of the book, 
that the likes of you and me, and I'm paraphrasing, is better because many people have done heroic things through time that have supported our lives today. People that live unrecorded in unmarked tombs. And that's kind of, I hope these two young people live in tombs that everybody knows where they're at someday, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. a hundred years from now. But if they don't, America will be much, much better because they have come together and lived a life ethically and with integrity and lived in a way that has been uplifting to the people around them. And, you know, the final analysis, you can't do much better than that. Yeah. Well, and, you know, seeing seeing uh, how you guys are with these kids, like firsthand from all the, you know, the leadership conferences I've been to and, and just, you know, the uh, some of the fun activities you guys set up, it's like, it's really, I mean, man, it's, I definitely have been inspired from seeing it firsthand. And, you know, and, and I mean, you know, it's pretty great and you know brad can attest to this too having uh parents that you like genuinely look up to as not only being great people but like you know what you've done with it and the effect you've had on on these kids and people and their families and uh you know and our family and and me is pretty i feel very fortunate that uh to uh to have you as a dad i guess I'm hey man to, yeah that's the biggest compliment you could play you <laughs> say to me. uh and i do want to say um because she'll probably listen to this um and she's been very excited for it and been texting me all day but uh we all know and brad knows uh, uh Putin very well <laughs> yep. that she uh might be the biggest uh uh overfeeder and nagger of all time but over lover at the same token there but i want to know uh what is it that uh that made you uh, fall in love with Puddin, and what what do you love most about her uh, in this current day? First thing is she cares deeply about people around her. Uh, secondly, is she has impeccable honesty and creativity. And the third thing, I guess, is she's just a kick. When she's not Good making advice. me laugh, she's kicking me to get the garbage out. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good yeah. advice for all the people out there. Yeah. Be a kick. Yeah. You know? Uh, I mean, I don't know. How do you... I don't know. Uh, yeah. It just works. Know, you know, you see these things in, in a movie, and actually, this is one of the most... You know, love at first sight in a movie. Yeah. Those scenes are probably some of the more real things in all the movies. And how, can you explain it? Yeah, I, no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there was it. But you remember like a moment or a date or something when you're like, all right, something, this is gonna, you know, yeah. something clicks. And yeah. I, it's you, it's, there's a there's a groundswell of stuff and then something clicks. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I have no clue. Yeah. But it <laughs> it happened. It Social worked. butterfly, too. That woman can have a good time. Oh, at, God. Uh, Oh my God! You know the Titanic could be doing, going down, and she's still being like, "Does anybody want any more meatloaf?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I will say this: we've 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 had a lot of actors, comedians, all people of all sorts uh, on these podcasts, but uh, we've had Puddin' on twice. We've had my dad on once. Now we've had you on. These are some of my favorites, yeah. and I would encourage everyone out there listening that uh, to sit down and get, have have an opportunity where you have a long form conversation with uh either your parents or whoever you consider your role uh, whoever you consider your role models because you 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 really learn a lot you 
you learn things and you learn insights into how they became who they are and probably why they raised you the way they did. So I would say to everyone listening, sit down. You, you don't have to have the microphones. You don't have to have the subscribers or the uh, devilish good looks that we all enjoy. Uh, <laughs> but just ha- ha- have a conversation with yeah. your parents, long form. And uh, You learn a lot when you yeah. have genuine interest in uh, in people, which, Ab- which I think we all do, which is why this was so fun. Did you have a good time? I had a great time. This was your first yeah. podcast ever. Right, yeah. Pod- what does podcast mean? But- well, uh, all oh, right, boy. Well, that- well, way to end it with a senior moment. <laughs> <laughs> what is a podcast? <laughs> Well, it's a radio program without the radio. I mean, with the radio or something like that. Yeah, pretty. I mean, yeah, more or less. Yeah. A podcast is an extension of, yeah, yeah without the, more, the radio. The more things change, the more they remain the same. Yeah. There it is. Wow. <laughs> Meanwhile, back on the radio. When I, okay. When I was 10. <laughs> oh, boy. We are uh, going from, it took 30 minutes to go to my grandmother's house from Chelsea, Oklahoma to Claremore. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we always went about 3.45, 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And they had 15-minute radio shows. Oh. Um, and I remember listening to Lorenzo Jones on the radio <laughs> and The Shadow and things like that. Oh, yeah, they the had Shadow. All these things. 15 minute episodes. See, yeah. those guys, but see, Lorenzo, without Lorenzo Jones, there'd be no Adam Ray and Brad Williams go, yeah. about last night podcast. Lorenzo so, Jones. So basically, what we're trying to say the entire <laughs> thing of this podcast, the entire goal was for us to do a long worded thank you to Lorenzo Jones. Yeah. Hey, Lorenzo yeah. Jones. Or Buster Brown. And I'm, gl- well, and I'm glad <laughs> we did I'm it. Buster Brown. I live in a shoe. My, my dog Rags. He lives there too. I'm mean, still remember this stuff. Good grief. George, thank you for being here. Thank this you. This was very amazing. Much. Subscribe on iTunes to this fucking podcast. Give them a five-star rating so this midget and this Jew can feel good about themselves for a couple minutes. Also, get on your iPhone or Android and get the podcast app. You can also listen to it on Stitcher or aboutlastnightpodcast.com, where you can hear past episodes with great guests like Lisa Kudrow, Paul Feig, Kevin Nealon, Bob Saget, Dion Cole, Chris D'Elia, Adam Devine, Michael McDonald, Jaleel White, Bud Friedman, Steve-O, Harlan Williams, Tom Arnold, Ron Funches, Rick Glassman, Blake Anderson, Anders Holm, Jessime Peluso, Joey McIntyre, and many, many more. I'm Tony Danza. Thanks for listening to the About Last Night podcast. Good night. That's it, right? You got it? Sweet. Boy, it smells good in that booth, by the way. What kind of candle is that? Hanukkah Willow? <laughs> nice.